Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Hey moms, don't forget if you need a little extra encouragement to get you through the week, to text MOTIVATE to 1-833-638-5442. Again, that's MOTIVATE. Text MOTIVATE to 1-833-638-5442 to get you through the week. A little extra encouragement. Hey, y'all. It's another episode of the Mahogany Moms Podcast. I'm Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, educational psychologist, mental health therapist, parenting coach, and author. And so today we have a very special guest with us. We have Ella Cole. She is a parent health advocate for sickle cell disease and type 1 diabetes. She's also the host of the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Welcome to the Mahogany Moms Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Awesome. So tell us more about who you are and what you do. Okay, awesome. So I started my blog, cleverlychanging.com, about 10 years ago. And that was really where my advocacy started. I was a new mom. My kids were about two. I was still nursing and I needed an outlet. And so that's kind of how I started blogging. Most of my friends were still in grad school, so they hadn't had kids. So they didn't really want to hear about (laughs) all of the new milestones my kids were having every day. And I wanted to share that information with other moms who were interested. And so that's kind of where the journey began. When my daughter was about three months, I found out that she had sickle cell. And so I wanted to share that experience because I just felt like other parents and other women were going through, you know, different diagnoses with their children. And, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're going through it alone. And so I said, hey, let me use my voice. Let me use this platform to be open and honest about our lives and how we live and how we're going to make it work. And, you know, I I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to be all in. And so I started doing social media management for different companies and I started working for different nonprofits and really just learning how to navigate the online space and also parent at the same time. So while I was doing all of that work simultaneously, as my children grew, I also started homeschooling them. So I, every day it's like a full plate, but It has been a wonderful journey where I'm able to learn from other parents, learn from other people, and also give back to my community, just like they were giving to me at the very beginning of my journey. Wow, that is awesome. So I think you have... um... You have a lot to share, but I want to go back to the beginning of your journey because I think it's unique. So tell us about your journey into motherhood. Wow. So my husband and I, we had been married for about three years before we found out that I was expecting twins and he almost fainted (laughs) when when the OBGYN, when they were doing that first ultrasound and she said, baby A and there's baby B. And he was like, what do you mean, baby B? (laughs) So that is really, I remember that very first um, appointment 
in, in my very first appointment, I found out I was having twins. And ever since that first appointment, I started to really grow rapidly. And everybody knew I was pregnant. You know how people, you're walking down the street, they're like, when are you going to pop? I'm like, I got another six months to go. <laughs> Oh my so goodness. it was, it was great, but it was heavy because it was around 20 weeks into my pregnancy when my OBGYN, she checked both my husband and I for sickle cell trait. Prior to that appointment, we never even considered the fact that we carried the sickle cell trait. It was no one in our families that talked about it. No one talked to us about it. And it just wasn't on our radar. So it wasn't until that OBGYN appointment that we began to have an understanding what having sickle cell trait meant. And we both are older now. So in 20, 2006, they started to have newborn screenings all all over the country. And mm-hmm. so people now know that they have sickle cell trait, but I'm much older than that. So my husband and I were not tested at birth. And so we didn't know. And so I think it was a really eye, a real eye opening, opening experience for us. And we had to really just kind of focus on how are we going to navigate this life if our child has sickle cell disease. We talked to our families about it. And ironically, he has other siblings and I have other siblings, but none of our siblings on either side have sickle cell trait. It's just us. So that was very unique. And, you know, I started to really use just the opportunity during that nine months of being pregnant. I started to use that opportunity to really research and really learn what sickle, what a genetic disorder is. Because I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware that it was something that I should have been cognizant of. So now I think in many states, they require when you get married to have genetic testing. That wasn't a requirement when my husband and I got married. So it was really just a new space. And so with that, you know, when I first got the diagnosis that she did, in fact, I have twins, so one does have sickle cell trait and the other one has sickle cell disease. Mm-hmm. And so when I found that out, it was, you know, you you feel overwhelmed with yeah. the diagnosis. You feel scared. And so everything that any other parent felt feels when they find out their child has a chronic illness, I definitely felt that early on. And so, but I want to say I always had hope that we were going to get through this and I was going to research and I was going to connect with doctors that would really make a difference in my daughter's life. And that's, that's how it's been going. Wow. So I want to go back because at 20 weeks, your doctor told you all that there was, that you all both had the sickle cell trait. So did she kind of break down what that would look like in terms of the babies? Like there was a percentage that one could have it and the other one couldn't or that they both could? Yes. So she said to me, she said, well, to both of us, because we were both at the appointment, she said, there is one in four chance that your child or children will have sickle cell trait. So 
at the time, because my kids had already split when they, when I had that first ultrasound, they, they didn't know if they were fraternal or identical, because if the, if the egg split immediately, you know, they, they didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So it could have happened immediately. It could have happened later, but you know, now that I've had them, she said, you know, if they look identical or, you know, we can do a DNA test after you have your children to identify whether or not they're identical. Well, when I had my children, they looked completely different. So I knew that they were not identical. So it's funny because when they were born, one looked more like me and the other one looked more like my husband. So (laughs) it was, it was obvious that they were not identical twins. Okay, so wonderful. So then you get your twin A, twin B was diagnosed at three months with sickle cell. So you had already been researching and some, would you say somewhat preparing yourself? Yes, of course. I I was trying to, you know, keep in my mind that it's a, you know, it's a 25% chance that she won't have this at all. You know, that's what one in four means. So I kept rehearsing that, but I always said, you know, but there's still that other possibility, Mm -hmm. you know, and so you have to be prepared for whatever happens. And so um, even what's amazing is that same day that I had that appointment, I was actually traveling to work and I would take the metro into the city for my drop, for my job. And when I was about to sit down on the seat in the metro, in the train was a pamphlet. And it was from Howard University and it was about sickle cell disease. Wow. And it was the same day. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) what kind of message is this? (laughs) But it definitely, you know, I was like, this is for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I received it and Mm -hmm. I said, let me, let me read this. I think it took about 30 to 45 minutes into the city. And I said, you know, let me, let me start reading right now. So That's really where my education about sickle cell disease began. And it hasn't ended. I'm still learning. (laughs) It's a journey, but it was amazing that on that same day when it was, you know, heavy on my mind, Mm -hmm. I had this outward experience that kind of confirmed what my heart was saying, you know, study, learn, Mm -hmm. educate yourself. And um, you can't get any other better confirmation than a pamphlet that right. you're about to see. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, so because I want to you said you said you had hope. You always maintained a sense of hope. Where did that come from? I think I'm just an optimistic person because just growing, I'm the youngest of five and being the youngest, I have you know, different siblings who've had illnesses. One of my siblings, she was diagnosed with lupus in high school, her senior year in high school. And she was having a lot of complications. So she was in and out of the hospital. So I grew up in a, in a home where it was encouraged to research on your own, to learn all you can so that you know what questions to ask the doctor so that you're informed, so that you find out new medications, new treatments, you have to be proactive. So my sister, so when I say that I'm the youngest of five, like I'm the youngest five, my sister that's next to me, she's 10 years older and I was born a day before her birthday. So she's usually 11 years older, except for a couple (laughs) hours. 
So that's a large age gap. Mm -hmm. And so I would see my older siblings researching and reading and just gaining knowledge. And so because I saw that in, you know, just growing up, I was around seven or six when my sister was diagnosed with lupus. And so I saw that, you know, this is a senior in high school that's researching, that's, you know, learning. And so I said, you know, when, when I was faced with the situation that I was, I went back into that whole mindset and said, let me do my research. Let me learn. Because when you can come to your doctors with knowledge and you have a desire to be educated and to really want to know what's going on, often your treatment is better. And so that is what I learned from my family and what I try to, how I try to empower others to do the same. Okay. So you have twins and at three months you get a diagnosis that one of your twins has sickle cell. How do you manage? I mean, we're talking, so we were just talking about how you, you know, you, you maintain this sense of hope, but like just the, it's, you're still a mom of twins. <laughs> and then one twin has this genetic disorder that you have to learn how to manage. So how did you manage all of that? And then you decided to quit your job. So how did you manage all of that? <laughs> so I started to really align myself with just a, a small circle of people who would pour into me with encouragement. So I think having a support system makes a huge difference. Now I was in a city that I didn't have any blood relatives in the same city that I was in. Wow. So when I say a support system, I'm talking about, we were talking on the phone. It wasn't necessarily people who were in my same city communicating with me. It was more, you know, phone conversations. You know, we have FaceTime mm-hmm. and just, you know, emails, text messages. And it was really letting other people who I love and who love me know this is what I'm facing. And I, and I need, I need encouragement. I I need you to check in from time to time because yes, getting a diagnosis for your, your infant is, is huge. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the hospital, they actually tell you that, you know, we think your child has, you know, sickle cell or, you know, whatever it is. So the newborn testing initially in the hospital, they do, they are able to see it, but they confirm the diagnosis a little bit later. So it was a confirmed diagnosis at three months. And so I had to be, uh, I had to kind of go outside of my norm, which is that facade where I'm always strong. I can always just handle everything in the world and I don't need anybody. I can just do it all. I really had to put that on the burner because it's not realistic. Yes. And at the time I was really trying to figure out how to nurse the babies at the same time, my babies and Nursing was confusing. And I'm thinking in my mind, if, you know, if women who are indigenous are doing this so effortlessly, why am I struggling? Mm -hmm. And I just started calling my nurse line. So um, with the insurance that we had, we had a nurse line, a 24 hour nurse line. And we also had a lactation consultant. So I would talk to them and I would really 
So some of my close friends from high school, it wasn't even college, which is very funny, but my friends from high school were really like family to me. They were like extended sisters. And I really just, I told them, hey, this is what I'm facing. Some of them, one of them, her mom is an OBGYN. So she often would, you know, give me good tips, let me know what books to read. And then I had a friend whose aunt was a midwife. And so she would also give me tips. So you really have to tap into your network and not try to hide what you're going through. You have to be honest. And and that was really what helped me have hope. My husband didn't understand any of it. He was a new dad. He was still feeling overwhelmed because he was getting his master's at the time and he had a lot of books to read. So, you know, having these infants that don't sleep all night, it was really kind of on my shoulders. And I was you know, I was struggling until I, I asked one of my family members, I said, look, I need somebody to come and stay with me just a little while so that I I can learn how to get a rhythm and a flow. Mm -hmm. Because I think once you get past all your fears and you start to get back in a routine, Mm -hmm. so that could be you know, making sure you shower, making sure you eat, making sure you do simple things. So I had my sister come, a different sister. I had a a sister come who stayed with me for about two weeks, who helped clean the house, who helped cook me meals. And that was really my saving grace during that time. Okay. So the two key things that I hear you say is lean into your support system and ask for help. (laughs) Ask for help. Ask for what you need. So you get the help, you get some, you have support you get help, you find a rhythm. What is your biggest challenge in parenting twins, one in which has a genetic disorder? What was the biggest challenge then? Was it her eating? I mean, feeding? um, Was that different than what you fed your other twin? How was that? You know, how was that? What what was that like? So what was kind of ironic in our situation My child that has sickle cell was actually my largest baby Mm. and she was really healthy. She was, she was a good feeder. She ate. So in those early years, I didn't, she didn't have any complications. And so whatever I did for one, I also had to do for the other, but her sister, her sister was really small. She was only like three pounds, 11 ounces when she was born. So I actually had to spend more time caring for her special needs being so tiny. And so it's, you know, it's ironic now to know that you know, it was kind of like the tables were turned, so to speak, but it was really, she was so little. So it was hard getting her to latch on. That was really when I was nursing. And so those early years, it wasn't so much the sickle cell that kind of showed its head. It was really just kind of learning how to be a mom and take care of two children who, you know, were very different sizes. Mm-hmm. So her, my, my child with sickle cell looked so much older than her sister because she was, she was so, her sister was so little. And so it was really just trying to make sure they were healthy and they were feeding because in those early years, 
or not even years, but early weeks and months, it was so easy for you to care for your child. So you're thinking, let me change their diaper. Let me feed them. Let me bathe them. You're thinking all of the things that you're doing for them. And you kind of forget to do stuff for yourself. So I would forget just the basic things. So like when you're nursing and taking care of kids, you need to drink a lot of water. Hmm. You need to rest. And all of those things are so hard to come by. And I would just forget because my mind, you know, I I had this diagnosis because I didn't know it wasn't going to appear that early, different symptoms. So I was always like, you know, like whenever she would cry or something like that, is, is this the cry, you know? And one of the things that the doctors were saying is you really need to pay attention if your child gets a fever, like if the child has a fever of 101, bring the child in. Surprisingly and thankfully, my child with sickle cell never had a fever when she was little, ever. Wow. So, so did, okay, at what point did the complications from sickle cell show themselves or did they? They did when she was five. So that is many, mm-hmm. many years later. And I think that's very unique okay. to, to our experience. Sickle cell is different in every person. One thing that we did, she's been a vegetarian since birth. And mm-hmm. um, I made sure, so when I would do my research, you know, plenty of fluid, don't let her overexert herself, don't make sure she's not too hot. So I would regulate the temperature and also when, when her sister was little, we had a, a nurse come in and she would say, you know, make sure you regulate the temperature. So all, all the things that I really needed to be doing, I had like somebody reminding me to do it anyway. Okay. And so when she got older, I just continued. I was in the habit of checking and, you know, like checking their temperature. Like whenever we would go somewhere, like a trip or a road trip, I had this kit, like this little (laughs) medical kit that I would take with me because I was like, well, if something happens, you know, like this bag of stuff and I'm just (laughs) like, I'm like this doctor or something, you know how the doctors would have their doctor's bags back in the day. You were prepared. (laughs) Yes. So I was always trying to be one step ahead of it. But when she was five, It was, I remember it just like it was yesterday. It was the coldest day of the year. And I had driven, I was trying to take them to a homeschool class at a museum. Mm. And my car broke down on the, like I was, it started to break down while I was on the highway and I was terrified. And something happened, something happened, like the transmission, it was smoking and we had to get out of the car because it looked like the car was on fire. And so here I was, it was freezing and I had my baby. I mean, she definitely had a coat on, she had her hat and, you know, but it was still very cold and I really couldn't, I, I didn't, you know, we're coasting off the highway. So we were off the highway in a safe place. It was a parking lot of a church, but I didn't have anywhere to go. And my husband worked about two hours from where we were yeah. and he wasn't able to come and get us. And I was waiting for triple A. And if anybody knows that can take a long time. (laughs) And so, and so that, that day, that night, after that experience, she had her first crisis. And I think, you know, they, the doctors tell you avoid extreme temperatures. So you, you need to avoid when it's very cold. You need to avoid when it's very hot. And so 
with her having spending a lot of time out in the cold her body you know and she was also scared because she's like I don't know what's happening and even though I'm trying to explain it I don't know what's happening either (laughs) so I'm sure it was the stress from the experience that that added to it and so here she was thinking she was going to have fun at a class and here we are stuck outside and I'm like she's like well where's daddy you know daddy always comes to save the day so it was it was difficult but I will say that you know just going to doctor's appointments was another thing that was very hard because she had a lot of doctor's appointments. So once that diagnosis is confirmed, she had to go to the doctor every three months. And when I say the doctor, she was given a hematologist and we had to meet with that hematologist every three months and he had to draw blood and my child hated it getting her blood drawn. I don't know any kid that enjoys it. But, but I know. I want to pause really quick because somebody, someone, a, a mom listening to this may not know what a hematologist is. Can you define that for us? What type of doctor is that? Yes. So a hematologist is a blood doctor that deals, it's a specialist that deals with blood disorders, not just sickle cell. There are many different hemoglobin disorders and hemoglobin is the protein that's found in blood. So Okay. So she has, she has hematologist appointments every three months. She has a regular uh, pediatrician appointments. Does she have additional doctor appointments outside of those two? Um, At the time, like, so when she was really little, no, but as she grew, um, she did have more appointments. And so um, it was just a lot of going back and forth to different specialists and different doctors. So that to me was very hard. And that was one of the reasons why I really needed to quit my job and, and work from home and find, you know, some other ways because, you know, every, it seemed like there were appointments all the time. And then you have two kids. So if you have to wait, it's just going to take longer for both of them to be seen. So like when, when, um, pediatrician appointments, I would have, both of them would be seen at the same time because, you know, you have your, um, shot appointments, you have all different types of appointments that come up ever so often. And so you have to make sure that you make those appointments for both of them. And so that was, that was difficult early on. Um, but I think, you know, that time looking back, it passed quickly in during the moments though, it felt like, Oh my gosh, this is a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. So what would you tell a mom who's recently gotten, maybe it's not a sickle cell diagnosis, but maybe it's some other type of diagnosis in her, in in her, for her child, for her baby, what would you tell her um, looking back on your experience? What advice would you give her? I would say definitely stop in that moment and breathe. Mm -hmm. I think when you first hear the news, your heart just skips a beat and you don't know what to do. And so right at that moment, just pause close your eyes and take a deep breath and envision good times. I think sometimes when we hear something like a negative diagnosis, we automatically think the worst and things start to, you know, our dreams kind of start to wane a bit. And I think you have to stop them because 
people who have challenges and disabilities can accomplish a lot still. And so don't allow that to cloud your vision. The next thing you need to do is start developing a support system. And I know for me, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it alone. And sometimes it may feel like we're alone, but if we let people know, hey, this is what I'm going through, you know, they may not be able to comfort us with knowledge, but they can, you know, like my sister, she had, she had, that came to help me. She never had children. So she came and she cooked, she cleaned. So even somebody just coming to maybe fold clothes or um, put, you know, buy, buy your groceries or, you know, it could be simple things, but they make a really big difference. And I also had a friend who would come over who would, um, she had a newborn um, baby that was, well, her, her daughter was like a year older than my kids. And I would see her daughter grow and just seeing someone else's child doing well actually helped me think more positive about the future. So surround yourself with people who um, are doing things that you can also engage in like a positive circle and um, a positive influence um, influence so that you have hope and so that you can kind of retrain your mind and distract yourself from things that could be happening. Because sometimes I think it can be helpful to have a distraction so that you're not just thinking about the problems that you're facing, that you're able to kind of recoup and refresh. And so those are some of the things that have been very helpful to me. And the the last thing, which probably should have come earlier, is research. Research. I think for me, having a, a healthcare team for my daughter that is amazing has made all the difference. And I think that is why she's doing as well as she is because I trust her doctors and her doctors trust me. I can call them whenever I need them. And they're, they're great about telling me about new treatments and new things that are available and you know just different ways that I can gain more knowledge. And even telling me about support groups or summer camps just different resources that exist. Sometimes people don't know that you need additional resources unless you ask. So this isn't a time to be shy. It's not a time to be ashamed. Mm -hmm. It's not a time to feel guilty. So all those different emotions will definitely arise, but it's best to say, hey, I'm not going to get hung up on these things. I'm going to look past them and I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to plan. I'm going to research. I'm going to build my support group. I'm going to, you know, breathe. I'm going to try to get some rest. It's, It's hard to do all the things that you need to do. But if you're making an active effort to try to do those things, I think you'll win in the end. That is awesome. Those are some awesome tips. So how can moms find you? Where are you? <laughs> wow. So I am on all of the major social platforms. I'm, I'm on Instagram at Cleverly Changing. I'm on Twitter at Cleverly Changing. So that's the only one that's a little different. So it's no G on the N. 
and I'm on Pinterest. <laughs> so I am a homeschool mom. So, you know, we love Pinterest and I'm on Clubhouse. I'm on Clubhouse at Cleverly Changing. So that's the same as Twitter, but definitely interact. I'm on Facebook, of course. And so I love connecting with other moms and just hearing different people's stories because I think that's what makes us unique and that's what gives us an opportunity to connect with each other. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You have shed light, I'm sure, to so many moms who are maybe in a similar situation or haven't even thought about this being something, right? The fact when you're getting um, married, being tested for the sickle cell trait. So if that's not something that is happening, that is something that you can request. And so that is information that needs to be shared so that parents are more informed and they know. Um, So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's been truly a pleasure and an honor. And yes, if you know, especially if you're facing this experience, I am a mom, I write books about sickle cell. And I'm really just trying to um, pour into my community and create resources so that people can learn more because it is something that we can get ahead of. We just have to research and empower ourselves with information. So thanks for letting me share and I wish you all the best. Thank you. And um, you can find her more information about her book um, on all of the social media outlets, links that she told you about, and there'll be a link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, moms, don't forget if you need a little extra encouragement to get you through the week to text motivate to 1-833-638-5442. Again, that's motivate. Text the motivate to 1-833-638-5442 to get you through the week. A little extra encouragement. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.